Welcome to the Weekly Workplace, where professionals come to find insights and inspiration for success. Hosted by the Missouri Training Institute, this is the Weekly Workplace. Welcome to the Weekly Workplace, where professionals come to find insights and inspiration for success. With you today, Missouri Training Institute. Good morning. Hello. Good Good morning. morning. Good morning. Dewey Thompson, Ray Lyon, and me, Brianna Larimer. Um, Our mighty team of three. (laughs) We are together. it's it's incredible. It the is things. nice to be together today, it all is. three of us. Yeah. It is. We and we're all going to go to lunch together, too. Yeah. We're often so scattered across the state or, you know, working with different clients. Uh, you were out in Kirksville, Missouri yesterday. I was in the office. You, you know, living in, in Kansas City. So yeah. I think this is a, an interesting topic that we've chosen to talk about yeah. today. Brianna, you it certainly is. It? Yes. Yes. Well, you know, when I think about this. This idea was first prompted when we entered um, remote working, you know, two years ago when the pandemic hit. And one of the things that just stood out so prominently in my mind, I know, Ray, you had heard it from somewhere else, but you had said it to me in that relationships were going to change. They were either going to get worse or they were going to get better, but they were going to change. Mm -hmm. And so what were we going to do about it? And now I feel like here we are two years out And I still feel like there's a level of disconnect in our workplaces or with people in general. It's not just in our workplaces, but there's the relationships have changed Mm -hmm. and people have changed. Yeah, that's a great point. People have changed and their perspective has changed. And um, I think that's going to have a ripple effect. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important that we recognize that this um, disconnect in relationships that we're talking about today, um, that it probably comes from many different sources. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard to just to say that just because of the pandemic, um, when I take a look at our political discourse in this country, there's another uh, divide there. So I think that has caused, you know, issues of relationships. Um, when we think about how technology has changed our lives over the many, many years, that, too, has probably caused some disconnect in, in human relationships as well. So I think it's important that we just recognize that there's many, probably many reasons why mm-hmm. this is happening. Um but it is happening. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is happening. Well, and to the, your point, one of the first things you had mentioned there, um, you know, just divided, you know, or div- divisiveness uh, research at a Pew Research Center. And this was in June of 2021, indicated that 88 percent of Americans say they are more divided than they were before the pandemic. You know, so the division has always been there. But now it just feels amplified. It really does. So as we we think about that idea of connection, it is it's intrinsic to us as human beings. Like we are meant to be connected with each other, to have social interaction. Would you all agree with that? Absolutely. We are social creatures. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so a lot of times the questions I get and I've heard these more. I don't know if you all have in your trainings, but I've actually had people say like I I. I want to learn how to build relationships again. I want, and I hadn't seen that, you know, I've been here four years now. I, I didn't see that come up as much on the evaluations at the end when you ask what other kind of trainings do you want help with? It's like, I think we thought we were doing so great. And now there's an awareness to this idea that maybe our relationships aren't going so well. Well, yeah. And I, you know, they, they have changed. I think um, many of us have reevaluated what work means to us, um, what we want out of life. Um, and maybe, you know, the people that we want surrounded um, with us. So I, I think that we have gone through a big reevaluation of, of all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. 
So, you know, one of the main things that we talk about and then and we talk about this in our supervisory certificate series, but it's this idea of how do we become intentional again about deepening connection with others? And Simon Sinek has put he put out a lot of different um, interviews, podcast episodes all during the pandemic. You can also find his book, Start With Why, at your Columbia Barnes and Noble. But, um, you know, he really just pushed this idea that we have to be incredibly intentional about how we connect with others, especially if you're working in that remote environment still, because you're not getting the water cooler talk anymore. You're not getting the things that are happening in between the notes, you know, as as he used in one of his examples. Um, So they talked about how music was what happened in between the notes. And and he talks about then that's how connection is built. It's the stuff that happens in the hallways. And, um, you know, Ray, I know we've talked about a beautiful example of something that had happened here in this studio when Rob and I were just Mm -hmm. chatting about something. So with that, I guess, talk a little bit about your experiences and all the workplaces you've been in. Um, How intentional are workplaces? normally with really building connection with each other? Well, I think that you see a variety um, of different organizations doing different things that lead to different results. You know, I remember the bank that we used to work at, and I think that they were very intentional about bringing people together. We had every month a bank-wide meeting, um, and they combined not only, you know, letting everybody know what was going on with the bank and how we were performing as a bank, um, but they also did a lot of fun things Mm and um, ways to get to know people and, Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. We did skits. We did, um, you know, uh, icebreaker activities in those meetings. And it was every month that we had that. And so it was a, a great way to kind of build that camaraderie, to build that kind of teamwork. And then you go to other organizations that I've been into, you know, for example, manufacturing plants where, you know, you don't really see a lot of that kind of thing. You know, people are show up, they, they get to their station on the, on the manufacturing line and they're pretty much there for their entire shift. And so there's not a lot of, um, of that camaraderie kind of built into it. Mm-hmm. So I think you still see a variety of it, but, you know, certainly these last several years, um, I think that you do see kind of this disconnect that we are, that we're talking about today. A yeah. bit more often. I, I am uh, heartened, I guess, if that's the right word to talk about, you know, you know, on Dewey's point, I am hearing more, you know, about huddles, Mm -hmm. um, you know, these stand up meetings where everybody comes together first thing, um, or one-on-ones even. So at least there's, you know, one connection. And of course, certainly in manufacturing, it's more difficult if you're, you know, 24-7, 365, and you can't just shut down a a machine Mm -hmm. or um, that kind of production to get together. But, you know, the most recent um, uh, factory that I was in, they actually do at the beginning of the shift before the shift goes on, Mm -hmm. all of those people come together and then they go and, you know, assume their uh, positions and then, you know, that shift that they replace goes home, but when they come back. And so they, I am seeing, you know, where they're trying to stay connected. But what's interesting is those of us and myself included, the more and the longer we're at home or, you know, isolated, um, the more we want to be isolated. It's, it's like a spiral Mm -hmm. and we just get used to being in our own little, uh, you know, I think the, the word I've read was cocoon, you know, and we kind of become our own little micro culture. Um, 
And we get out of the habit mm-hmm. of, you know, making good eye contact and having chit chat and, you yeah. know, making the effort to come in to see the people in your office or or just to yell through the wall uh, (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah Uh, you know that becomes a little more challenging when you're living in kansas city yeah you have to yell really loud loud. loud. well you bring up a great point there ray because there's actually research that supports this concept of disconnection being a self-perpetuating issue meaning you know it's it's going to trigger it could trigger i don't say in all cases but it could trigger depression, which triggers withdrawal, isolation, which then triggers anxiety uh, because our brains are perceiving isolation as a threat. We weren't actually made to operate in isolation. We have only survived as human beings, as creatures. We are still creatures through community. And so now our brains are all funky and they're going, oh, this is a threat. I don't need to be around people. I'm not supposed to be around people. So that triggers suspicion and fear again when you're back around people. And I thought that was so intriguing. Yeah. Well, I just, before I, before we started this um, broadcast, you know, had a friend who's been working at home, you know, for two years and um, mentioned that she has to go into the office to pick something up and, you know, boy, I hope I don't see anybody. Hmm. You know, I just want to get in and get out. And it's so interesting to me because when I think of, you know, my friends, she is the social butterfly. Like she's the one you that will always be out front, you know, and the get to know person. Um, and so it was just interesting to hear her like, oh, I hope I don't see anybody. You know, I don't want to. I just want to get in and out. You know, let me ask you, Ray, how do you, how do you feel about the idea of cocooning now that you've been um, working remotely from Kansas City? Yeah, I, I definitely would be on this list um, because it is so easy to just do everything from your your home or wherever you mm-hmm. find yourself cocooning. And, you know, my husband will come home and he's like, have you even been out of the house today? You know, <laughs> you know, so, you know, intentionally I've started taking walks at 515 in the morning and, you know, making sure I go our mailboxes down the road. So, you know, it's all junk, but making sure I get to the mailbox. But I can go a whole week and never even get in my car. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And then you kind of go, what, you know, because when you said that, you know, that your friend is the one that's kind of that social butterfly, I was like, well, you are, too. Yeah. Um, You know, you kind of crave that relationship and to meet new people and um, learn about new people and new situations all the time, too. So I was just wondering. Yeah. And that's what I said. I would be included in this for sure. Um, You know, Amazon's my best friend. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk a little bit. You know, Dewey brought that up the very beginning of this episode. He mentioned the technology element, and I think there's an element of cocooning that happens with our technology, too, you know, and so you're you have everything at home, everything in front of you. And so it brings that comfort. It brings, you know, but it's also in our hands now. Yeah. You know, our mobile devices have truly and I used to think it was just a way of kind of escaping. You know, you just need to escape. Let me just scroll Facebook for a little bit. I just need to get out of everything else that's going on because it feels overwhelming. But when we take ourselves out of that physical world too often, then that's all we want to do. Like it's weird, the chemistry and the way our brains operate. Um, And so like I see it now with my two-year-old, now that he's been introduced to television every single night, he's asking for Sesame Street 
every single night. And I'm like, buddy, like there's life outside of this. And when he's watching that TV, I mean, he doesn't even hear his name being called, Mm. you know. And so that is so scary, honestly, as a as a parent. And as I think about what we even do as adults, too. You know, that's funny you bring that up. I um, my daughter's 23 now, but back in the day when she was in, uh, I guess it was early middle school, I made the really bad decision to have about 14 uh, of her school friends or girlfriends to come and um, spend the night for her birthday. And that was just way too, way <laughs> Wow, too what's Dewey? Yeah. 14 <laughs> dad, of, dad of the year, dad, dad of the year there. So it, was just, oh uh, it was just too many. Um, but I remember it was so interesting to see them uh, all in the same room on their phones. So they were all talking to each other, but they weren't and in the same room, but they were talking to each other on their phones. Mm. Um, sending messages back and forth to them. Now, I don't know if it was, you know, they were talking about one of the one or two of the girls that were there probably or something. Most likely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. um, I just thought that was kind of interesting. Now, you when you you talk to her today about the idea of technology and she's going to say that this technology brings her and her friends closer. You know, that they um, um, are able to, um, you know, communicate probably even better, you know. And and so, again, I think it's just a difference of perspective, maybe, um, you know, as older folks maybe think that, you know, we need to be in that room. Younger folks probably think, oh, you know, well, we can just talk to each other on the phone or I can FaceTime people or I can find out what's going on their weekend by getting on their Facebook or on their on their Snapchats or, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. it may be. And I think for me, when I when I hear that, when I think of it, I, I yeah, we can still maintain a friendship in that that world. But am I truly deeply connected to that person? I mean, my best friend who I grew up with, you know, uh, fourth grade, best friend since fourth grade, still lives in Arizona. And and so all we have is technology now um, to chat and our relationship isn't what it used to be, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, we talk about maybe the quantity versus the quality of those relationships. You know, technology has certainly allowed us to connect with people all around the world, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I do wonder about the quality, the depth, the of, depth it. of it, mm-hmm. um, of those relationships um, when we're only communicating through technology. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's interesting because I think there's things that we would say, and when I say say, I mean communicate digitally that we we wouldn't say to somebody's face. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And so oh, that yeah. just kind of makes me, you know, think about when you talk about the quality of connection. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what, what are you doing while you're, you know, connecting? Mm-hmm. Um, how are you managing that? Yeah, it is. It's, it's so in, it is intriguing to me. I'm interested to see. And I, I wonder where like so my son's future is going to go. But uh, with this idea of connection, we might be living like the Jetsons by the time he's my age. <laughs> Who knows? But let's talk about some of those things that that provide that deep connection. You know, things that you may not get through the technology or, you know, for me, I think the number one thing is empathy. I can't understand, I can't empathize with somebody as well through a text or a f- email or a phone call. I mean, that's going to require us to have a conversation. Um, and so when I think about that, 
when I think about empathy, I think a lot of times people get that confused. I've heard two different things. I've heard it's sympathy, you know, and sympathy is is feeling bad for somebody. That's not empathy. But I also hear it's putting myself in their shoes. And that's also not empathy because the reality is that we will never ever be in somebody else's shoes. Everyone comes with different life experiences, but we all have emotions. And so empathy, connecting with the emotion of something and not the situation. Yeah. You know, that's interesting too, because I think um, in order to empathize, oftentimes what that means is that people need to be vulnerable with one another. Mm. And I wonder to what degree we are as vulnerable with each other online versus, you know, when we are face to face, when we're able to look at each other and kind of make those, you know, interpret the body language, interpret maybe more accurately the emotion that people are communicating mm-hmm. with um, and, and those messages. So, um, you know, I think in order to empathize, that sense of vulnerability in a relationship is required if you're wanting a, a meaningful connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I think Absolutely. I agree with what you're saying. And I think when we think about our the way we digitally connect um, a lot of times and I'm guilty of this is I'm not fully present. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm checking my text, but I'm also maybe typing an email, you know, and then I've got, you know, I've got home life perhaps going on, you mm-hmm. know, so um, now I'm not saying everybody's all fully checked in face to face, but there's a higher likelihood if, you know, we're one on one and we're giving each other eye contact and responding, you mm-hmm. know, um, spontaneously, you're more likely to be focused. Um, but when you've got multiple devices and, and channels of communication, you're probably not as dedicated Mm-hmm. to the connection you're trying to build. Oh, yeah. We see that all the time in our virtual trainings, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, one time I was doing a, a virtual session and everybody had their cameras turned off. Mm. Everybody. I felt like I was, you know, talking to a blank wall. I couldn't read That's them. I tough. couldn't see them. Mm-hmm. I couldn't, um, you know, I didn't know if I was connecting with them or not um, because every single one of them had their their cameras off. So I just kind of stopped what I was doing and I said, hey, everybody, let's, let's, let's break for a moment and... And let's get our cameras back on and make some connections with one another. Yeah. So I immediately got him into some kind of activity to be able to do that. But it was um, it was very difficult, you know, talking to a blank screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I and I think as leaders hearing that, um, I think it's OK to set those expectations. Oh, yeah. You know, whether you've still got, you know, hybrid work environment or fully remote, you know, that when we communicate cameras on like, oh, you know, well, my camera is well, get it fixed. Here's twelve dollars. Go buy one on, you know, um, that that is an expectation. Mm-hmm. We will always, you know, and I think and even in face to face, you know, we we got lax about, you know, allowing our cell phones into meetings. Mm. And, you know, at first it was like, no, we're going to control. And, you know, it was like harvesting a kidney to get people to let go of that device, you know, pry it from cold, dead hands or something. But, you know, I think it's okay to say, you know, so that we, when we are together, we can fully be together. Let's maybe, you know, let's put our devices away. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you know, it's only an hour that we're meeting or, you know, we only get Mondays to be in the office together. That was usually our rule. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's interesting to hear you say that because I'll just be I'll be vulnerable for a minute and say my initial gut stink, gut instinct reaction when I heard that was no, like you can't. I need to get exactly. in touch with my son, you yeah. know, let me have your kidney. But, <laughs> but I will say that there are school systems here in mid-Missouri that have started doing this where they're taking phones away from student, high school students um, and they came out on a report. I think it was just a couple of weeks ago now talking about how how are things going? And they're like, we have never had more engagement, more attention, more interaction with students than we have so far this year. Yeah. How long is that going to sustain? I don't know. You know, but there has been a shift yeah. uh, by doing something just like yeah. that. You know, there's there's an ebb and flow to life. There's an ebb and flow to workspace. You know, obviously that example of a learning environment. Um, and we're creatures of habit. Mm. You know, so we're going to get in the habit of whatever we're allowed to do over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you personally, um, and it's just been this this week, I have actually started uh, not opening up my personal Facebook account. I have not opened up my personal Facebook account since Sunday night. Um, Are you going through withdrawals? I... I find my, and this is the weird part. <laughs> this is the really weird part. I will find myself like even driving. I didn't realize that I used to do this, but I would reach over into my purse, like at a red light and I would pop open Facebook and mm. I didn't even realize I was doing it until like I'm being so intentional about not doing it now. And so I'm grabbing my phone. I'm like, oh no, what am I doing? You know, wait, I'm doing this at a red light, you know, <laughs> like, so you're absolutely, we talk about the habits that mm-hmm. we, we get into and we don't even realize them sometimes, man. Yeah. So stay curious. Yeah. I'm going to say that too. Stay curious by your own individual habits. Yeah. <laughs> well, and just stay curious with each other. You yeah. Know, if we're trying to build connection with each other, um, then remaining curious about that person and what it is that they're communicating to you and how they're feeling about it and um, making sure that we're asking those questions, you know, to more fully understand them, um, I think is a great way to kind of rebuild or build that connection with another human being. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And and again, sometimes though, especially in the workplace, I think we, our our main goal of communication is usually about agreement, right? Mm -hmm. We're, We're making decisions, we're figuring out how to move forward. And so, you know, we, we, propose these ideas and we usually end up saying something to the effect of don't you agree don't you agree don't you agree and so our focus oftentimes what we think our goal of communication is is about agreement when it should be about understanding mm. um i can remain curious and not agree with what it is that you're communicating with me um and we can certainly talk about it but it is important i think to remain curious mm-hmm. and to realize that our goal should be about understanding not not necessarily agreement. Dewey, you're talking about a uh, Facebook Live we've done recently. Check it out. Civility yeah. and disagreement. We talked about that element of curiosity there, too. Yeah. yeah. So important. Yes. Another thing I think about is assuming positive intent. Yes. I'm so glad you brought that up. I am. Because a lot of times we run a story in our own mm-hmm. head about what our vision of this conversation is. Mm-hmm. And I think because we're human beings and we're, you know, always preservation of self, you know, and that could be ego and, and, you know, as well as body. But, you know, we tend to many times impose the negative Mm -hmm. about this or bring in things that 
may have occurred earlier in your day or now um, filtering into that story. Mm-hmm. And so I'm so glad you you brought that up. We make a lot of assumptions about mm-hmm. people. A lot of assumptions without, you know, and that's the, our stories going in the back yep. of our heads um, about, you know, what we're seeing, what we're hearing um, and that kind of thing. So it is really what's that what's that um, saying? You know, uh, we judge ourselves by our intentions, but other people judge us by our behaviors. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, so again, remaining curious and understanding what's motivating this person, what's asking those questions about how they're feeling about something, you know, so that we can um, not necessarily make those assumptions about folks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. more fully accurately understand what it is that they're they're communicating. Mm-hmm. And that is connection. That's connection. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think the other thing we have to be cognizant of in this deep connection with people, a lot of people don't realize that that 55% of the impact of a message comes from the body language that you are producing during that message. So focusing on how you're saying something, whether it's the body language or even the paraverbals sometimes, mm-hmm. uh, but focusing on how you're saying something rather than what you're actually saying, the words that you're using or the message you're delivering. Um, I think that that that's something we don't we, we don't have the benefit of doing when people's cameras are off and, you know, in right. a virtual setting. That's right. uh, so, yeah, no connection there. So we've got to be cognizant of the body language and the paraverbals. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because um, I think nowadays, you know, we can we have a tendency just to put up our emotion online immediately, maybe without thinking about what how that might be interpreted. Um, uh, and so. You know, I, I don't know. It just becomes so much more commonplace to be able to do that nowadays, where before there were things that, you know, we just didn't talk about. Right. <laughs> you know? But nowadays it seems like everything is out in the open and um, people will just automatically kind of post what they're thinking, what they're feeling, you know, that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. are there other things that you're thinking about uh, when it comes to these deep connections? Well, I kind of miss them. You know, mm. I, I have to say that over the last couple of years, um, uh, being a lot of us have been a little isolated. Um, I think it, it has um, uh, caused some damage to some certain relationships oh, yeah. in my life, I know. And yeah. um, I, I kind of miss that connection with people. And um, I think you're starting to see a lot more businesses perhaps even start requiring people maybe to start mm-hmm. coming back to the workplace. Now, I don't think it will ever be like it was before. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there's going to be kind of that high, more hybrid approach probably right. to things as a new normal going forward. Uh, however, I, 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 I kind of miss having people around, <laughs> you know, it was always fun to get up, uh, when I was, you know, stuck in, in a work mode and, and not really, th- you know, trying to, well, how do I want to phrase this email, you know, and I would get up and I'd take a break and I'd go see somebody, you know, I go, mm-hmm. go talk to Ray and say, Hey, I got this issue. You know, what would you do in this situation? And, you know, that, that helped me, that mm-hmm. helped me, um, you know, get my work accomplished, uh, mm-hmm. doing it together as opposed to just going along. So I miss it. Well, and there is research that supports exactly what you just mentioned about more of this hybrid approach. Gallup just posted new information on this where um, it was all this information about, you know, who was permitted to work remotely before uh, COVID hit, who's working remotely now. But the preference 
mm-hmm. is now changing to a hybrid preference. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people are like, oh, no, I want to stay remote. But we're in a space now where people are recognizing exactly to your point. We still need interaction with people. I couldn't wait. Get, I couldn't wait to get back to the office. That was just me. I, you know, trying to do my work at home. Um, <laughs> it didn't go so well for me. I kept thinking, though, I got this to do. I could do this laundry instead. I could go outside, rake the leaves. I could do this. I could do that. Um, and, you know, I, I just didn't do well. I just needed people around there. One of the reasons is just to hold me accountable, you know, for, <laughs> for what was going on. So um, I, I miss I miss uh, having you guys in where we could see each other every day. So um, and I still miss now that you're moved to Kansas City. I still miss you. But I'm so thankful that you come back, you know, uh, once a week or so to, yep. uh, to be with us. Yep. Yep. And to go eat lunch today. Yay. So with that, <laughs> let's, let's go build some with that, let's, let's do go it. do that. Um, and uh, we appreciate you all tuning in to the weekly workplace. If you have any questions, comments, thoughts, send them to us, mti at missouri.edu. Uh, until next time, go be great. Thanks for listening to The Weekly Workplace, hosted by the Missouri Training Institute. Dewey, Ray, and Brianna stand ready to connect with you and meet your training needs. Be sure to check out ways to contact them in the episode description or at mti.missouri.edu. Subscribe to the podcast to get future episodes automatically by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. Hope to catch you on the next episode of The Weekly Workplace. Yes.